brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello listeners and welcome to part two of this mini series on the Cadet Org. To find out more about Catherine Spolino and her writing, you can follow the links in the episode description. But for now, here is Catherine. There are some beautiful moments between you and, and your brother as you go through the book and the moment where you decide to kind of uh, run one more lap around the field to hatch a plan on how you're going to tell how you're going to tell your leaders that you want to leave is is one of my favorite moments. I'm so glad that you get to have that relationship outside of Scientology uh, with with at least one of your direct family members mm-hmm. because you can piece all of your experiences together and say oh goodness do you remember this and what about when that happened and I imagine those conversations with your cadet friends as well are always really interesting (laughs) oh gosh yeah it's so good and I just had a girls trip with three of my friends that we grew up together one of them is in the book um and it's just so fun and we have such a great time but they've lost their parents too but we're like oh well we have each other you guys like we have our freedom, like we get to do whatever we want. And we're not, you know, um, monitored, and we're not muffled, like our speech is not taken away from us. So we're very like grateful for that and to have each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess in some ways, they 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 are your family, they were the people that you mm-hmm. spent the most time with the people that you grew up with. And uh, I think that that's really, that's really special. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad for for young Catherine that she's been able to maintain those those relationships later in life because of course unfortunately in in many of these situations that isn't the case especially with suppressive people uh the term that Scientology uses for people that leave Scientology and then talk out about the horrific abuses that take place in Scientology and the shunning policies that are in place for individuals to be disconnected from their families is something that's all too common in the majority of of groups that we discuss on this podcast. So knowing that you have those connections with people who are also outsiders is is quite refreshing in, in a way, and uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's really nice to hear that. And before you move up to the Sea Org, 
there are a lot of instances of, of you getting into trouble and um and taking the um uh, getting freedom in the small ways that you can whether that's asking to go to the bathroom and then going off for a walk or asking to um go and and change your clothes and then go for a lie down or reading your book there there are so many moments where a little rebellious Catherine comes through and uh and, and just you you have these little uh, moments of gold where you maintain some type of control over yourself and I think that that's that's my favorite theme that goes goes throughout the book you do end up in the Sea Org and for people that might be listening who who haven't heard too much about Scientology can you explain what the Sea Org is yes the Sea Org was developed by Aaron Hubbard for um, when he people were so dedicated to Scientology, they would basically join what was called the Sea Org. And it was named that because it used to be on ships because they were, I didn't know this until later, they were trying to avoid being taxed <laughs> by government. So they were out at sea, but eventually they moved on to land base. And when you're a Sea Org member, you sign a billion year contract dedicating your many lives. So they believe, believe in reincarnation um, to the Church of Scientology and Basically, you want to clear the planet is what they call it. And that just means getting everybody Scientology. It's like similar to like getting everybody to be a Christian or something, except where you dedicate everything, your time, you live there. They pay you a small amount of money. So when you're in the Sea Org at the time, when I was in the Sea Org, it was $50, which was 35 after taxes. And um, you worked all day and you studied worked or studied all day and night and it was long days it'd be eight o'clock till like 10 p.m where you're on the clock like just doing stuff um whether it's like if you're a registrar you're registering people on course or your course supervisor or an auditor or for my first job i was a rudiments registrar which was ridiculous i was only 15 years old and i'm told to call people who no longer are in scientology and try to get them back and i'm just like getting sworn at people are hanging up on me and I'm like what is this I guess this is like what for people who are like Jehovah's Witness and they go door to door <laughs> and they're just people probably slam the door in their face I'm like this isn't the way to make me want to stay in the Sea Org like oh this is horrible so that was my first job but being in the Sea Org is something where you basically are dedicating yourself fully to something and you're giving up your own personal like um you just don't care. Like, you only care about the group, which is why the children fall to the wayside. Like the group is always more important. Clearing the world is always more important. If you've had children in many lives, what does it matter if you aren't seeing your children in this life? Kind of like that's how you chat. You could see where they might have rationalized how little they saw me growing up. My parents, um, she's thinking that I'm in a safe environment with other children. And then we're all going to be in the Sea Org also saving the world. So this is huge purpose that can make everything else seem not as important yeah yeah and there's this really uh again fleeting moment where you're you're able to see your mom and she's taking care of other people's children which is something that happened a lot in the um 
in the unification church, parents would be separated mm. from their children and sent to another place to take care of other people's kids. And it's always interesting when that happens. There's not so much parentification where there's kids raising kids because you're all just kind of raising yourselves without any any um any siblings directly around you and of course this is most likely by design this this family separation mm -hmm. yeah and I think it was just because they wanted the people who were in the Sea Org to not be distracted and they used to do like family day when we were growing up and that was like once a year where all the families got to do a picnic and then there was Sunday mornings we would get to spend with their parents and if they got if they requested time off maybe a Sunday whole day and then it became more and more infrequent because they slowly, gradually take away everything. So at first it was like you would get picked up Saturday night and have Saturday night and Sunday morning. Then all of a sudden it's like I'm sent to the ranch and it's like, well, your family could take the bus up and see you every every Saturday or every other or every other Sunday. And then all of a sudden the bus stops coming. I don't know why. So now my parents don't even drive. They're from New York originally, so they don't have a way of coming up. So I just see them when I would be brought down for what they call missions, which is when we would do like backlog filing or, you know, when they're building, there's a street called Elburn Harvard Way and Pack, and we help lay those bricks. Little children, we were like 12, although we thought it was amazing and fun and we got pizza. But it's like, I don't know that this isn't, this isn't like a normal like Christian outreach where you go out to like, you know, help something, but it's like, we're doing this when we should be in school like laying bricks and doing things like that. And it's, uh, it's just it's now when I think about it, it's funny, but yeah. How was it that you eventually found yourself in the Sea Org? Um, so they would, it's, they would try to say like, here's a cadet lineup. This is what you need to do. These are the steps to join the Sea Org. But then some, suddenly they just say, Oh, actually, you could just do your what they call their A, B and C certs, which is like equivalent. I thought it was equivalent to like an adult education, even though it was like sixth grade math and then eighth grade vocabulary and being able to write an essay in like five minutes, 800 words in five minutes or something like that and cursive. Um, really such like low standards. And then once I did that, they're just like, OK, you're going to join the Sea Org just like that. And I'm just like, oh. Okay, and then I was like, well, I'm the first of all my friends, so that's cool. Except for my one of my friends had gone ahead, but I'll be like right after her. So that that was that. Like I'm gonna go be an adult now and no longer go to school and work in the Sea Org, and that was my. Uh, and I, there's no graduation. <laughs> Let's just say that. Just go pack, go pack your bags and get in the car. We're going down to pack. Yes, there's yeah. so much of that. Go pack your bags. The bus is leaving in ten minutes, and it's like okay. <laughs> all my friends are here all of my things are here and then you're kind of like okay see you in a bit people and and that and that's it um until you go back to the ranch of course and 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 and, and backwards and forwards which yeah. was it was another interesting part of the of the writing for me as well you mentioned at the beginning that the cadet org is very similar to the sea org you're almost being kind of um I wouldn't say indoctrinated, but prepared or groomed to successfully adapt to the Sea Org environment. Was it a drastic change for you going to the Sea Org? Were you then matched in dorms with with older people? What would you say was really similar and really different? Um, it was very similar in the sense that it was too similar. I was like, oh, no, 
like this is like more of the cadet org but more serious like we don't even get to go on field trips because at least they would take us on field trips if we got our stats up they would take us to the beach we would go camping like they would try here and there to give us these child experiences once you're in the sea org that was done and i was only 14 years old and it's like you're just now the hours are even longer there's no hour pe we loved our hour pe time even if we didn't take it we would like go read in the, our magazines but sometimes like i told you we would go rollerblading down the mountain or go mount go on our our horses and go um horseback riding or just go biking around the ranch go for a hike to have that hour taken away is huge now i just had these 30 minute meal times you know 7:30 a.m. lunchtime and dinner time and then 15 minute breaks like an adult, you know, but except for it goes all the way till 10 p.m. And that was very boring and horrible. <laughs> was basically yes, especially when you're 14. You're 14 yeah. years old and thinking, okay, so this is me then for the rest of my life on this rotor, on this schedule with these meal times and these breaks. Exactly. Not really being look paid ahead. a full-time wage. And you're like, what? Am I gonna, is this and it? I could see the people. I would see these old people who've been doing it already for 20 years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that future does not look good to me. And my highlight of my day would always be mealtimes because me and my friends would be all loud and playing, junking around. And then it's the same cadets, you know, who are now all in the Sea Org. Or at nighttime at 10 p.m. where me and my friend Miriam are like going for a walk and, you know, getting picked up by the police because we didn't realize there's a curfew. <laughs> things like that but it's like they were so small and short and I and I'm just so grateful that my young self was like I looked for joy and it wasn't in the Sea Org and I could see it and I was just like I need to get out of here mm -hmm. so there, there were parts in the book where your kind of um you you understood that it wasn't a place that you wanted to stay but there were a number of things that happened that would bring you back in or or change your perspective for a short amount of time and then something would happen again where you'd be like oh no this really is going to be me for the rest of my life could you talk the listeners through a couple of those examples where you thought I'm gonna go and then you ended up staying yeah. So like before, like one time I'm just trying to um, like, I really am doubting it. I don't like my job as the room and registrar. I'm having a hard time and I'm like, maybe I should go. But then Sea Org Day happens. And that's like when they do a big ceremony. And one of my good friends who was at the ranch and like we have a great time together. He's in his uniform and he gets promoted and a couple of other of my friends. And I'm just seeing them on stage and I'm like, you know what? Like, look at them. They could do it. They're, they can, they're on purpose. And so I'm like, I am going to do better. I am going to go to post on time. Probably still won't go on study, but I'll at least go to the roll calls. And then like, so I just try to talk myself into being good again. And then the boredom just keeps getting me or like, I just don't like it. And then eventually I choose like, okay, I'm going to blow so that I can get someone's attention blow is when you leave without permission well, when they notice that I'm gone they're going to want to help me because I need help I don't know how to be a robot basically it was my problem and that's like an example of how I would try to like fix myself in a way because I didn't understand why it was so easy for some of my friends to just be good or be what their version of good is mm -hmm. uh, the CEO version which is to just march along follow everybody's rules and 
um, be content in that. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This was something that was happening before the Sea Org. You you left at one point and you hitchhiked and you got picked up by, um, thankfully, uh, a, a good, uh, decent yes, person that that took you back back to the ranch. Then there's another point where you write a letter to uh, one of the people who is is higher up, saying, "I don't want to be here. I want to leave." And then they bring you in and they say, "Okay." I can see there's an issue here. I'm and then position it like they're doing you a favor uh, by mm-hmm. moving you to this different location that you think is going to be big and beautiful, and it turns out to be kind of like a dingy block of flats. And 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 then another realization that oh, this is more of the same. There's actually nothing here that's exciting, nothing that's going to change how I feel. And it, it there's so many of these these moments that are built into the book where I'm like, this is it. She's leaving, and then there's there's something else that happens, and no, it's uh, it's got to be frustrating in some way for maybe for some readers, but it, it was real like that self talk because like yeah, I get persuaded back, but also there's that big part of like I want to save the world too. What's more important, me or the world? So it's like me trying to be less selfish. So like when somebody persuades me, it was almost an easy persuasion because I'm already indoctrinated into thinking my purpose is to be in the Sea Org. And every time I tried to veer off, 
I get pushed back. So yeah, it happened too many times to count, <laughs> but it was, it all led to me eventually leaving. So the good thing that was that, that I'm proud of is that I was questioning things even at that young of an age and that I held on to it and it was never squashed, which was really, yeah. which I admire about myself now <laughs> as an adult. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have this strange cognitive dissonance as uh, w within the narrative of the book of knowing you don't want to be there, but being picked up by truckers, by police officers, by people who are like, hey, where did you come from? And you're like, oh, from the Church of Scientology building. And still having these thoughts in your mind, like, I I'll tell them where I'm from, but I, I can't say anything bad about Scientology, even though I'm trying to leave Scientology. And there's these really conflicting thoughts. So you're it feels as though your brain is telling you to leave, but also the 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 indoctrination that you've been exposed to throughout a lifetime at this point is still stopping you from passing over that threshold completely. And it's, again, such an insight into the mind of a person that, that is born and raised in one of these environments, as opposed to somebody that joins later in life or, or as an adult which uh, of course is likely to be a very different insight and, and perspective. And this is so important. It's the first account that I've read of anybody really growing up in the cadet org. I had an interview with a, a very brave woman who came forward to talk to me about joining the Sea Org at a very, very young age after her mother signed over guardianship to somebody that this person had never met and never saw again and was just mm -hmm. left in the Sea Org. And that was was shocking to me. I didn't realize at that point that there was a whole demographic of Scientologists that were born into the church that were raised in the pre-Sea Org to join the Sea Org. So this is a really, really important book in terms of highlighting what is outrageous and wrong about the Church of Scientology. When was it that you actually left? How, when, and why did you escape the Church of Scientology? So as like, not separate from the Sea Org, right? How did yes. I leave actual Scientology? Oh, right. well, I suppose so... the, sea, the Sea Org is the step before. So, so yes, yeah. how, when, and why <laughs> did you leave the Sea Org? Exactly. So the Sea Org, uh, I finally, it was... I kept wanting to leave and then I would stay, kept wanting to leave. And then uh, I decided I was, it was like, okay, I can't keep doing this anymore. I just want to go. So then I went on the decks with my two, my best friend, Miriam was on it. And another good friend of mine who was on the EPF with me, who are still friends with to this day, who also left. Um, and so finally, it's like, when you say you want to leave, by the way, you can't just leave. They would, they, they say we have to get a sec, sec check, which is like where you get confession. You could compare it to where you have to sit and com confess to all of your misdeeds. They go through a list and ask you all these questions and they're very random questions too. Like, have you ever been in the CIA? Like, it's so stupid <laughs> or like, um, inappropriate questions. Have you, have you ever masturbated? Have you ever like, and I'm 14, 15 by now. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not answering these questions. So I just lied, but I was good at tricking what was called the, it's called the e-meter, which is like a lie detector. 
I figured out at a young age, you just have to think about happy thoughts and it would be, be just fine. <laughs> so, um, that, that was really frustrating because first they can't find you an auditor to get a sec check because we're low on the totem pole of priorities. So we'd just be laying around in our dorms and then all of a sudden security would, would come and check on us. They have security guards everywhere. Then they'd be like, Hey, you guys need to do work. You can't just be slacking off. So then they would like have us like stripping wires in the parking garage or like cleaning, waxing the floor of one of the uh, service organizations late at night. And um, we, we, we did that for a few months. But finally, when I got a sec check, then I was like, I passed it after like an afternoon. And then they're like, okay, you could go. And um, my mom had a sister I had no idea about in Florida. So she sent me to go live with her and uh, my cousin who was 17. And by then I was 16. I had just turned 16. So then I went there. So that was how I left the Sea Org. But I left the Sea Org still believing in Scientology. Yes. So it's like yes. very, yeah. Um, I hope I didn't give away too much there. But I just, it's obvious that I'm not in the Sea Org. But there's a whole nother story of how you can leave the mind control of Scientology. Because I dearly, truly believe that Scientology was going to save the world. That people who are Scientologists are powerful people. If you are, especially you're what's called OT, which is the higher levels of what Scientology achieves. I didn't know how what that meant because it's all a secret. If anything's a secret, then there's probably something wrong there. <laughs> Red flag, right? But I didn't know that. And I'm just like, oh, one day maybe I'll be OT and I'm going to donate all this money to Scientology. And like, it's funny that my big purpose was to give money away. Like I knew that that's what they wanted. <laughs> yes, there's going to be another book. So I'm really excited to read in detail about all of those things and, and how you kind of changed from where you are at the end of that book to, to you know, actually leaving uh, Scientology altogether. There's a few things you said in there that I am really interested in hearing some more about. You you mentioned EPFs. This is something that you became quite acquainted with during your time in the Sea Org. And I wondered if you could just talk through that piece of lingo with the listeners. Mm -hmm. So the EPF is called the Estates Project Force. And it was when you join the Sea Org, anybody who wants to join the Sea who wants, who gets recruited to join the Sea Org. So for the cadets, we were just told to join the Sea Org. But for Scientology, young Scientologists, they were preyed upon a lot. So they would like go to Scientology schools, the Sea Org members would and recruit young Scientologists. And, you know, the parents who are Scientologists are like, yes, yes, go take my child and let them... <laughs> help save the world not knowing that you're giving your child up for like like labor trafficking and like they're gonna just be working themselves um and not having any yeah freedom but the epf is what everybody would go on to and we'd wear a blue shirt said the state's project for us in like blue shorts and you have to run everywhere you have to we all were assigned work to do so we would be basically the janitors of the church cleaning the whole like service orgs cleaning the bathrooms or we'd be cleaning the dishes for the main big galley that would be feeding all of the sea org members so a lot of ma manual labor, just like at the ranch, and then also studying There's five courses that you had to get through. It was supposed to take about three weeks. And then when you were done, you would gra you would be what was called graduate. You just get like announced, everybody would clap, and then off you'd go to the Sea Org. So it was, it was supposed to take three weeks, but it would take some people up to two months, including myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that was what was, that was called the EPF. And they have them at every Sea Org base, even to this day. 
this particular program felt like one of those that was exploited by people in positions of power that wanted to exert that power to show their dominance uh, or, or for some other reason, uh, almost like a, a punishment or moving the goalposts. So if you did things that people weren't happy with, they would tell you that you weren't ready to finish the EPF or that you needed to go back and, and do some of it again. And it must have been incredibly frustrating as uh, a young person to be given these instructions and then to have things change and and to to kind of have this. It's kind of like the sea orcs, like a big prize, like a dangling carrot, which turns out to be n- not great anyway. But mm-hmm. how how was it as a young person? having things changed for you or or rules changed or or people telling you oh actually you're not going to the sea org because you've you know took an extra lunch break or or went for you know the toilet and didn't come back to your manual labor job (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was like very frustrating because I definitely felt like things were very arbitrary there and uh even though they have so many roles everything's written out but it also could just be like okay you all are going on the EPF or okay you're in the Sea Org and you're not doing well, you just go back on the EPF. Like, and it, it always felt like I began to realize like none of this even really makes sense. Like you don't even know what to do with me. You're just shuffling me around. Um, and what is the point of me even being here? I'm not even doing anything productive. Uh, by the time I'm thinking of leaving, I'm at this point, my job is a CF clerk or my post. So I'm just filing letters that people write into the church or the church writes out. And it's like such a menial task. And it's so boring. And I'm just like, this is all pointless <laughs> is basically where I'm at. And anytime I would try to, w- w- yeah, would doubt something too, they're just like, maybe you need to go on the EPF. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I mean, that was pretty much not, it wasn't something that I en- enjoyed about being in the Sea Org was it felt very random all, and like how I was treated. Even the punishments could be random. So it was very yeah. s- strange. It, it it brings into uh, perspective a really important point, though. You're a child that's born and raised in the, the Church of Scientology, and you are expected to join the Sea Org, and your parents are part of the Church of Scientology. So it's almost like they can't just kick you out. Um, do, I don't know if you know if there are any rules within Scientology of, of why they kept you there for so long when you caused um in your rebellious nature you caused some of the more um determined or the more um uh serious members of 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 the the of the the cadet org and the sea org some issues because they didn't know what to do is it because they they couldn't you didn't have a place to go if they were to say you're no good here and you should leave yeah, I think that was a big thing. Like, so all of us cadets, whenever we started to want to leave, so it was me, my friend, uh, Miriam, and then um, Leslie is the name in the book, who I'm still friends with today. We, all of our parents from the Sea Org, where are they going to put us? And, you know, so I think that was a big part of it. And there was a few other boys who were on, who were cadets, who were also on what was called the decks. They, I think they didn't know what, what to do. So I, I think they tried to wear us down to get us to stay. 
And then once that wasn't going to happen, then they began to realize. So then they actually began to just send us all away. They're like, as long as we're not in Los Angeles, influencing the other cadets who are in the Sea Org, let's just get them like out. So I was sent to Florida. My friend Leslie was sent to Nashville to live with some random Scientologist family. So that was what was happening, too, is like we would get sent to other Scientologist families. A lot of cadets were then sent to Austin because as after I left, it was like a, a became like a creek or like a flood. It wasn't a flood though, because like a lot half of the cadets I would say stayed. I feel like a lot have actually left now, but they all began to leave, and we were all sent somewhere else, and then we all came back to LA, and that will be in the second book. <laughs> like, That's what amazing. are we all like when we're like out in LA? uh 17 years old 18 years old and yes discovering the world <laughs> was sent to uh here to the UK and she yes. was excited to ma maintain her um participation in the in the seal which is something that younger Catherine was worried about because you knew that you didn't want to stay uh, nothing that you you said seemed to be able to change your friend's mind but obviously she changes it on her own somehow down the line which is really exciting yeah so she's writing a book too so I'll I'll get you in contact with her when her book comes out because her story she was actually on Leah Remini's show The Aftermath um and so she um was abused by her father so her story will be a very different story. She helped me so much with my book. I think you read in the acknowledgments, she would read it and give me feedback. Um, she loves my book and supports me so much because she's like, you're capturing everything that is the org. So I can focus on her story, which is going to be a different, it'll still have the org stuff, but it's just a darker story because her father mm -hmm. abused her and the, how the church covered it up and how much trauma she had to go through. Um, so she'll talk about that herself, of course, but I'll connect you guys when that comes out, but she, yep, love she, she will talk about what happened with that, like where she decided to go to England of all places, because I can't get into her mind because, you know, we can't have those type of conversations in the CR. You can't say, why are you staying in the CR when it's like, she's actually technically making the right choice. So I couldn't ask her and be like, don't go don't stay in the sea org i just had to wish her well you know that is the end of part two of this mini series on the cadet org to find out more from Catherine and her writing you can follow the links in the episode description and to get in touch with me you can find me at coltvaultpodcast at gmail.com or follow me on twitter and instagram at coltvaultpod i'm your speaker casey host of the coltvault podcast <laughs>